very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, please make yourself at home. And to listen to tonight's full interview that you don't want to miss, go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll get your luck in immediately. I'll be able to listen to hundreds of hours of truth. And the same for Sanitas Radio, where you can upgrade your life every week. I guarantee it. And if you wish to get in touch with me, offer some feedback, want to be a guest on this radio program, or offer a suggestion, or have questions, send your request via the contact link, especially with tonight's interview. And tonight we offer a very, very non-traditional interview. A few weeks ago, some of you have been recommending that I interview tonight's guest, who lives literally in the trenches in Ukraine, in that conflict zone that could become the epicenter or the tripwire for World War III. So why not speak to somebody who's actually there on the ground, Somebody from the United States who happens to be frustrated with what he sees here and wanted to go and fight over there. This guest may have had a checkered past. He has been in prison a number of years for drug dealing. But let's not focus on that tonight. Let's focus on what he has to say from the ground. I have to warn you, the interview became a little bit heated at times in a friendly and respectful manner. It became also a debate between communism and capitalism. Even though I don't like to get involved with opinions during any interview, I like to remain neutral and become a journalist and stay out of the way. In matters of opinion, I go with the flow, but in matters of principle, I stand like a rock. Even though I respect people's opinions, I have to stand up for what I believe in sometimes. And this was an exception of an interview. And you'll see why I say what I say. Tonight's guest is Russell Texas Bentley, directly from Donbass, Ukraine. Enjoy. Hello, Russell. Welcome to Veritas. What part of Ukraine are you in? Well, actually, we call it the Donetsk People's Republic. It is the area known as Donbass, the Don, uh, Don River Basin. It is southeastern Ukraine uh, since the U.S.-backed coup d'etat in Kiev two years ago. 
Um, this part of Ukraine has refused to be under genuine Nazi rule. Uh, we have fought the Ukrainian army to a standstill, and uh, we have our own territory now. It's called the Donetsk People's Republic. Uh, there's also the Lugansk People's Republic. And uh, we have our own government, our own army, and our own police here now. Russell, why are we interviewing you tonight? Why are you in Ukraine, first of all? Well, I have always been interested in politics. And when I saw what was happening in Kiev, the so-called Maidan protests, I realized that uh, it was just another phony U.S.-backed so-called revolution, but truly a coup d'etat. And uh, after seeing what happened in Libya, Iraq, Iran, Syria, uh, Yugoslavia, I just uh, finally had had enough of it. And I decided I was going to do something about what the United States, the crimes the United States government was committing around the world. And so I came here, I joined the army, I fought Nazis for six months. Now I'm an information warrior and do... uh, humanitarian aid work here in Donetsk, Donetsk People's Republic. Let's uh, give the audience a bit of a perspective of who you are. Who's Russell Bentley? Where do you come from? Give us a bit of your background. Well, uh, I was born in 1960 in Austin, Texas. I grew up mostly in Texas, served in the U.S. Army. I've lived in uh, Washington State, Minnesota, Illinois, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, spent a couple of years in Germany overseas when I was in the U.S. Army. And um, I've just uh, been here in uh, Donetsk for a little over a year now. It's really a great place, uh, really nice people, beautiful country, uh, very, very fertile uh, land here. You can, you can eat lunch walking down the street, you know, um, all kinds of fruit trees, uh, chestnut trees everywhere. It's a beautiful place. At what point in the United States you had a an encounter with law enforcement and with the with the judicial system. What happened? Oh, uh, back in the 1990s, I uh, was a marijuana smuggler. Uh, I was bringing weed from Mexico up to Minneapolis and Seattle, Kansas City. In 96, uh, I got uh, busted for a conspiracy. They didn't catch me with anything. They just uh, arrested me. Um, on the word of a couple of snitches for a deal that I had done four years before. Uh, they didn't have one one seed or one dollar from that deal, but you know how the U.S. judicial system is. It's, you know, you can, you can indict a ham sandwich. <clears throat> so I ended up uh, uh, serving uh, five, five years in prison for, for marijuana. So now, when did you move to Ukraine I I got to uh, uh, Donetsk in uh, uh, 7th of December, 2014. 2014. So this is after the coup d'etat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was um, during the time when there was still very, very heavy fighting. The uh, Ukrainian army still held the Donetsk airport. Um, That was my first combat position was at the airport. Uh, in January 2015, we took the new terminal back from the Ukrainian uh, so-called cyborg uh, special operations soldiers. Uh, the ones we didn't kill ran away, and um, we hold the airport uh, today. You mentioned a few countries, and 
the behavior that we and the Brits have have uh, displayed all the way back to Iran, as you said, 1953 mm-hmm. Mossadegh. Then we have in the early 90s with Yugoslavia. Then we keep going on and on. Afghanistan, Iraq, Georgia, with our puppet Shakashvili there. That's mm-hmm. the first time where I noticed that the West was really demonizing Vladimir Putin. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, with uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia, wasn't mm-hmm. the, the U.S. and the Israelis uh, and the Georgians, of course, who perpetrated this, and uh, the Russians came in defense of the the ethnic Russians in the part of the world? Precisely, exactly. The uh, the Georgians with U.S. and Israeli backing, uh, you know, did provocations. Uh, they are attacking civilians in Ossetia, and uh, the Russians just basically came to the fen- defense of the civilians there. I mean, really... So much in the uh, Western media today, just, I mean, the way to understand what's really going on is just take whatever you see on CNN or Fox News and and uh, turn it 180 degrees. and Flip it. Yep. That's pretty much how you figure out what's true. Because, I mean, these guys are not just liars like, you know, of five degrees or 10 degrees to the right or left. I mean, they, what they say is really the opposite of the truth. Then came Libya, and we got rid of uh, Muammar Gaddafi, even though he made uh, that country prosper and flourish. This is not it something that... Highest, yeah, Libya had the highest uh, standard of living in all of Africa under uh, Gaddafi. The uh, education, medical, was completely free. Housing was free. Uh, gasoline was 14 cents a gallon. Um, you know, when 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 Libyans got married under Muammar Gaddafi, the Libyan government gave them a wedding present that was the Libyan currency equal of 50,000 U.S. dollars. And a lot of Americans, you know, they have absolutely no idea what the truth about Muammar Gaddafi was. Um, You know, they say, oh, he dresses funny and gives long speeches at the U.N. They don't understand that he was really one of the greatest leaders uh, of the 20th century. And... It really, uh, it really uh, made me mad when he was murdered on the orders of uh, the U.S. government, and when uh, that hag Hillary Clinton uh, made jokes about it, uh, it really sickened me. And then when I saw what was going on here, I said, "That's enough. I'm going to do something about it myself." I highly encourage anybody who has doubts to read the Green Book, and then you'll get exactly what we're discussing here tonight. So now we have Ukraine, Vladimir Putin facing the United States, the West, the European Union, and so on. Tell us what is really happening here historically. We can go back all the way to Nikita Khrushchev. I believe at one point he gave back Crimea as a sign of of, of good faith to Ukraine. Get, take us back in history if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, in the 50s, uh, Nikita Khrushchev... Crimea was a part of the country of Russia, uh, although it is connected, uh, it's a peninsula that's connected to uh, the mainland mass being uh, Ukraine. And so Khrushchev, just with a stroke of the pen, uh, gave all of Crimea to Ukraine. At that time, it was the Soviet Union, so it was just more of a formality. Um, After the breakup of the Soviet Union, uh, Crimea remained under uh, Ukraine, and there's a major uh, Russian naval base there. So the Russians made a deal <clears throat> excuse me, with Ukraine, and they paid them like $100 million a year uh, for the lease of the naval base there. 
at the time of the uh, Maidan coup, there were uh, 20,000 uh, Russian soldiers stationed in, on the Crimean Peninsula uh, under the uh, uh, conditions of this treaty. And so it was, there was no Russian invasion. The, the Russian uh, soldiers were already there uh, with the permission of the Ukrainian government. Contrary when, to what uh, the media portrayed here. Right, right, exactly. Again, the opposite of what what uh, what they say is really the truth. The, the Russian soldiers were already there um, when the uh, people of Crimea uh, decided to have a referendum, a vote, to see whether they wanted to stay with Ukraine or go to Russia. Uh, the only confrontation was that the Russian military went to the Ukrainian military bases there and said, uh, these people are going to have this referendum, this election, and Ukrainian military will not be allowed to interfere in any way. Um, it's interesting, the, uh, the referendum was uh, overwhelmingly over 90% uh, in favor of uh, going back to Russia. And uh, after that, then the Russian military told the Ukrainian military, okay, this is now Russian territory again. Uh, you guys can leave if you want. Um, and uh, over 75% of the Ukrainian military did not leave, they joined the Russian army. So, I mean, you can see, you know, that, that the people of Crimea, even the Ukrainian soldiers that were there. Were those Ukrainian soldiers, were, were they ethnic Ukrainians or ethnic Russians? Um, well, they were probably uh, mostly from, uh, from the Crimea area. You know, I mean, basically in the Ukrainian army, you have guys uh, that, that serve in the districts where they're from. So probably most of them were like ethnically Russian, but serving in the Ukrainian army. Ah, interesting. Interesting. And again, the reason why this, this plebiscite happened was because once the breakup of the Soviet Union, well, you, the majority of the people in Crimea are ethnic Russians, aren't they? Yes. So when this occurred, it was just naturally that, that they would just want to go back to, to the motherland. <clears throat> now, well, I mean, when, when because of the uh, Maidan coup, the U.S. engineered, U.S. backed, U.S. paid for coup d'état that happened in Kiev, uh, when you know American stooges, uh, oligarchs, kleptocrats, uh, true psychopaths, uh, genuine Heil Hitler Nazis were put in power in Kiev, you know the people in Crimea had the opportunity to decide whether or not they were going to live under, you know, Nazi rule. And I'm talking about genuine Nazis that say Heil Hitler and like that. They, they really do. And the people in Crimea just had the choice to uh, say, no, we don't, we don't live under, under Nazis here. Go, go back to 2004, I believe it was, uh, when the, was it the Orange Revolution? The, the Vic, mm -hmm. Victor Yushchenko? Yeah, Victor Yushchenko, who's also a complete... Uh, Total criminal. Well, before before him, Viktor Yushchenko wasn't he poisoned? Um, yeah, but I'm not. I mean, I I remember that guy, but uh, I'm not sure exactly what the story is on that. Okay, so this is before your time, before it caught your attention. So Timoshenko, you were saying, let's talk about Victoria Newland. Let's talk about uh, what's the former Ukrainian president, the the lady. What's her name? Uh, Timoshenko. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, go ahead. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the thing about these guys is that uh, 
I need you to get closer to a microphone. Oh, okay, sorry, hold on. These guys, uh, they—they're not—they—they—they work for the United States. I mean, Victoria Newland, uh, whose real name is Noodleman, um, she's married to like this super arch conservative neocon uh, that was a project for the American Century guy. I mean, these guys are are trying to take over the world. That's that's really what this whole conflict is about. It's the West trying to 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 break up Russia. I mean, well, you got to understand that now the U.S. has a puppet government right on the border, on the Russian border. You know, it's like as if uh, Russia had a coup and overthrew the government of Canada or Mexico. And yeah, and put in, uh, you know, um, their guys in the government there, you know. So it's uh, it is like you said, it could very well be the tripwire for World War Three. Um, there's a lot of concern. There are a minority of uh, Turkish Tatars in Crimea. Uh, now that Turkey is uh, uh, aligned with Ukraine, apparently they have a, uh, a new uh, mutual defense pact. Um, you know, what Turkey's doing in Syria is, you know, it's truly insane and very, very dangerous. Um, and if, you know, they could start, you know, uh, doing um, guerrilla warfare in the Crimean Peninsula with their uh, ta- Tatars there. So, I mean, there's a it's a pretty, pretty dangerous situation. You'll look at what happened uh, just a few hours ago in uh, Turkey in that stoplight with 29 people dead. I'm hearing reports. I'm not sure if this is authenticated that the U.S. Embassy in Turkey. Uh, in uh, Turkey has been hit too. I'm not sure this is correct. I'm, I'm just passing it along, but I haven't authenticated it yet. So Turkey seems to be in the forefront of all of this. They were caught buying or getting oil from quote unquote ISIS. And we know, mm-hmm. we know over here what ISIS is all about. What is the perspective over there in Ukraine about ISIS? Well, <clears throat> I can tell you that the people in the Donetsk People's Republic, where I am, um, they, you know, they totally understand what's going on in Syria, that it's, you know, these provocations, uh, Turkey shooting down the uh, Russian Air Force jet, uh, stuff like that. I mean, it's like a little chihuahua dog, you know, uh, biting at the ankles of a grizzly bear, you right. know, and literally. Um, literally. And you know, these guys uh, in Turkey, they think that, you know, because they're in NATO, that they can do anything they want. But of course, the NATO treaty, uh, the other countries, if Turkey uh, instigates a war itself uh, and, and makes offensive attacks, then the other NATO countries are not obligated to join in. And so probably uh, what people here expect will be that there'll be some kind of a false flag provocation. Uh, where the Turkish will say, you know, maybe something like this bomb at the stoplight or something. They'll say, oh, yeah, it was Russian spies that did it. So, oh, you, you know, know what? Syrian we're, army or something. We're recording this probably days before we air the interview. But I can see exactly when it airs, it's probably going to be the case. I was thinking, okay, who are they going to point the finger at? And I think it's going to be Russia or the Kurds. Well, I mean, and and of course... It's it's so obvious. It's I mean these guys uh, 
these criminals from the West who uh, false flags. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.